Welcome to the Forensic Cop Podcast. West Bromwich Albion 1, Liverpool 2. Wow. Well, that one played out exactly as we all expected, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I was like in the past where you kind of expect or you would not be surprised if we pull something out of the hat last minute. I had no expectation that we were going to score with all the corners we've been trying all game, seeing Allison running up. I've seen that at least twice already this season. I had zero expectation. I was, I was actually worried that they might score on us because we've been giving up late goals. And so I was, I was worried. Yeah. And the other thing is like, again, I'm happy for the win, but you got to think we gave up nine corner kicks and I think like 14 crosses or something like that. Like I don't even that's that's a whole lot of offense to give up. It is, and it was clearly their tactic, right, to ensure that they played for the the set play. So whenever they were in a decent position, actually, to be fair, even in their own half, if they had a free kick in their own half, the, the um, they would send everybody up, and then the goalie would pump the ball. So that's that that was their game plan. Well, I mean, the I think the game plan was obvious after the first like 20 minutes when they were diving all over the field. Again, I look at it and we had 77% of the ball and we had twice as many fouls as them, 14 fouls. They were just looking to go down to set up that, that play. And it was, again, to your point, even from their half, they were looking for that long kick. Um, you know, I mean, I, I get it. That's a tactic, but it's just not something that's really fun to watch. Like, you know, I don't know if I was a West Brom fan and I was watching them week in and week out, I'm not sure I could keep watching it. Like it's, it is truly not a fun football game to watch. And yeah, I, I agree completely, but um, I think, you know, I always say it's, it's on us to now pull up the tactics to break them down. And that's, that's what I'm concerned because for as much as Klopp and his team should be expecting teams to be playing like this by now, we don't seem to have a way of breaking these teams open the way, let's say, Man City does, right? A team like Man City would not be frustrated by a team like West Brom because they know what to do to, in order to break them down. But with us, our our passing just seems, I don't know, there just there's, seems to be something missing in, in the way we go about breaking down these teams. So I... I guess I would agree to some degree with that. But on the other hand, I would look at it and I would say, look, we got 26 total shots today. Um, You can't really ask for more than 26 shots. Six being on target, that's a big problem. Um, And and I think that's where it is. Look, we're generating chances. Like think of Salah's breakaway that maybe Firmino could have passed it a bit earlier. But whatever, he had the breakaway. You need to put that away. Look at uh, Genie when he came in towards the end of the game. He had that shot that he put wide, like uh, or or Alexander Arnold when he cut in, and he had just loads of space, and he could have put it wherever he wanted. He put it over the net. I guess I look at it and I say, what more does Klopp and company need to do? Players just need to finish. Yeah, and. I think we're saying the same thing. So they need to finish. And when we're not finishing, we shouldn't be trying the same thing, right? So no, we should be sending Allison up to take care of it. 
Well, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I think we, we now know what the solution is. <laughs> well, I mean, look, at, at the end of the day, so that's the first time in Liverpool's history that a keeper has scored. It is the first time since the advent of the EPL um, of the Premiership that a keeper has scored with his head. So this is about as rare as rare comes. That I find really hard to believe. I couldn't believe that stat, um, the, the fact that that was the first goal um, by a goalkeeper with their head. Because whenever you see goalies come up for a corner, they're always trying to head it. And goalies have scored in the past. So it's more surprising that goalkeepers have been scoring with other parts of their body whenever they come up for corners or however they score in a game. I, I, I think a couple of them have been off goal kicks or a, a kick from the goalie and the wind just takes a crazy bounce and, and then it ends up in the net. But you almost wonder then what's the point of a goalie coming up if, if you know, they've never succeeded in scoring with their head. Well, because it works once every 129 years when Liverpool really needs to get into the Champions League. Yeah. <laughs> like this was a storybook as you can get. Um, you know, at, at the end of the day, I don't know. Did you think that we deserved the win? Didn't deserve the win? I think it was an even game. You know, I don't think it would be it would be unfair to say we didn't deserve the win, but then it it would it would also be unfair to say that West Brom didn't deserve something from the game. We we were the better team. It's just that we um, again we don't know how to finish. Yeah, I would agree with you. I thought. I think it would it would be unfair to say that we didn't deserve this result. I mean, we we played quite beautifully. We controlled very well. There was just a lot of good stuff going on, um, and and very nice passes. Even against the packed box, we were generating some offense. Um, so I thought we deserved it. But at the same time, you know, West Brom played well. They they packed the box and they prevented us from doing what we needed to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the lack of scoring is definitely a serious concern. I mean, you know, we got two today and both of them are extremely rare. Uh, one was Salah clearly not even thinking about it. He just didn't have time to process. That was just a reflex shot. The, the, the steal the ball. Mane stole the ball, poked it to him, and boom, he just puts it in. That was a reflex shot, no thinking. But again, not a goal that we generated, just a chance that was a fabulous shot from you know pressing the defense. And then the second goal was off a, a corner kick from uh, Allison putting it in. So even though we controlled the whole game in, in a lot of ways, um, we really we didn't generate a goal today. No, um, we, we had... I'd say three opportunities that really we should have been putting away Mane, Firmino, and Wijnaldum. So and Alexander Arnold, he should have had that. Right. So exactly. So and Salah's breakaway. Yeah. So so that's the thing. That one was a save. The other the other four were not even on target. So they're not even part of the six. Because I would say of those six shots that we had on target, okay, obviously we scored two. So the other four, I wouldn't even say they were decent opportunities, except for the Salah one that, that he shot right at the goalie. Um, and, and that's my concern. You know, it's not exactly like the goalie's making amazing saves. No, we, we were not challenging him at all. I mean... Right. And it's the same in, 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 every, in every game. 
this is not a season where the goalies have just been coming up with incredible saves. We're, we're just not able to, whenever we have open opportunities, we either put it right at the goalie or we put it off target. That's that's the issue. Yeah, I mean, it's it's unfortunately a recurring issue. Um, I don't know what the solution is. Um, I don't know, stand the guys at the, you know, 18 yard box and make them shoot all night. Like I, I, I don't know what you do, but this is definitely a big problem for us because again, 26 shots and only six on. And, you know, I would say of our goals to your point, I think there were probably like the genie, the Sala goal and the, uh, the Alexander Arnold all three missed. Um, and those are probably our three best chances of the day, quite frankly. Mane. Um, Mane had another one. One in the first. Oh, did you did you mention him already? No, no. I'm saying our best chances of the game, like our yeah. best uh, scoring chances, high-grade chances, we actually missed the net. Our right, two yeah. goals were not high-grade scoring chances. Right. Exactly. So, I mean, I... I I don't know what you do with that because if you're a coach, you got to be happy that we're generating chances. But at some point, you got to give up this dream that we're going to score on them. I think it's 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 clearly a mental thing. I think the players just need the season to end um, because you can see it's even affecting Jota now, right? So it's cl- there's clearly just a mental strain on on everybody to now where they're probably overthinking shots. Genie used to be one of the people that you could trust would be clinical whenever the few times he's ever in that up in, in that position, but even he's trying to overthink it by curling it in, into the top corner when really he just passed it right into the corner net. Well, <laughs> one guy who was trying today more than I've seen. And, and frankly, I think he was failing and, you know, I'm a huge fan of his was uh, Nat Phillips. I mean, he, he was okay, but I mean, I don't know if he drank like 16 Red Bulls before the game and he just needed to run. Like he was a bit out of control and, and he was even starting to like go up the field. Like towards the end, I don't remember if you recall, he tried to, like he came up and he tried to make like a long pass and he just booted it straight out because I mean, he doesn't know how to do it. I, I don't know what he was doing. So he's been doing that in other games and I've, I've been meaning to ask you, do you recall Van Dyke or Gomez ever playing as high as Matt Phillips seems to? Yes. Which one of them was doing that? Um, more, more Van Dyke. When Matt plays, he would come up quite high, but it was more a product of when all 11, I was going to say when on 12 men are in the box, because it feels like they've got 12 of them in there. When they sit all of their players so deep, it does make sense to come up a bit more. Um, so you're you're trying to create a mismatch. But I mean, today he had three long balls and all of them missed. So no, he was I, definitely not on his game. Yeah, no, it, it's more the way he, he, he... Because I've noticed it for the last probably five games he's played. And I didn't bring it up because he's played well and we got the right results. But I, I've always been wondering in my mind it, whether he's doing this on instruction or if... Um, this is just the way he plays. He he just seems to be erratic in his rushing and playing high. It's it's not like he's bringing the ball and controlling in the midfield. He's just playing so far up the field, and it's kind of weird because he doesn't need to. And I'm just wondering if that's something Klopp is asking him to do because I don't ever remember Van Dyke or Joe Gomez playing that high 
So Klopp's not at... He's Klopp is asking him to do it. That one's clear. And I'll tell you why. Because his game has changed. He is the definition of a stay-at-home defenseman. He stays back. That's his primary thing. He's always been that. It's been under Klopp's tutelage that he's added the long ball. He's added the uh, the pass out from the back as opposed to just hoofing it out. And he's added the challenge upfield. Like earlier in the season, so in January, February, you would never see him challenge it on their half. And now if there's a kick out or anything like that, he's challenging much higher. It's part of Klopp's um, plan, I think. I do why do you think he's making that plan? Because it is, it's it's not just when he watch out, he's challenging the ball; it's also being involved in in the in the play. A lot of times he's playing as a midfielder, and I just find it very odd. I'm not saying it's good or bad thing, but I'm trying to figure out what the intent is from Klopp of all the people to push him up so high to to involve himself in the midfield the way he does. So I don't necessarily know that he's the right guy to do it, but what I would tell you is um, the reason you do something like that. And, and Matip is the king of it, is as a defender, you just keep taking the ball up till they commit to you. And I don't know if you recall, but there were a couple of runs that Matip had that I can recall where he almost made it to the edge of the box because everyone's staying home on the forwards and on the midfielders, and they just let him walk through. And, and getting one of their guys to commit breaks the defensive um, structure. And my guess is that is Klopp's hope. Now, is Nat Phillips the right guy to do it? No, not even but, close. But he's not even carrying the ball is what I'm saying. He's he's actually taking part in the midfield, right? So it's one thing if he's, you know, like Kabak actually does it quite a few times where he'll carry the ball up until he's put under pressure. But Nat Phillips just goes and joins the midfield. Well, I mean, last game, last game he joined the forwards in the box and he got a goal out of it. Right? Yeah, but that's my point. I mean, again, I'm not saying he's a good or bad thing. I just noticed it, and I'm wondering if this is. It must be a new tactic because I don't recall Van Dyke, Gomez, or Matip ever being asked to play like that. So it it, it is very strange. Maybe, and, and, maybe it's just when it works, it works. But games like today, when he's off, it looks he he looks clearly out of his depth, right? Oh, I mean, him and Reese Williams today look terrible. They were caught out of position several times. Um, and and frankly, I thought West Brom could have had more goals. Um, yeah. well, again, not that I think they should have, because in reality, I think the whole game, they had only three real chances. So scoring one of three is not out of the ordinary. Right. Like, yeah, you could have scored all three. You also could have scored none. So, you know, they scored one of three, which I think is reasonable. Um, but yeah, Reese Williams and, and Nat Phillips, they were both, I don't know, they were biting way too high. They were out of position a lot. Like, I don't know what happened today. Today was very weird. That's why I'm saying Phillips looked like he was amped up and trying to do too many crazy things. Um, I remember a couple of years ago when David Luiz was still playing for Chelsea, Gary Neville described him as, when you're on the PlayStation that you're just controlling a player, right? <laughs> and, and, and that's exactly, because that's how I play, right? I just control my best player and have him running up and down, right? And that's exactly what it felt like for Nat Phillips. It was like he's just one man, a one-man um, team, just playing up and down everywhere, anywhere, you know, because he'll never run out of energy. Uh, he'll just, you know, so you just use the exact same player to play at the back, midfield, and, and up front. Well, I mean... That almost cost us because he almost 
got to the ball before Allison or almost nudged Allison out of the way. In fact, I've watched it like a little bit more closely and I actually think it was the West Brom player pushing Nat Phillips. I saw that for him not to get the ball that actually cleared him out of the way. So Allison got the perfect header. Yeah. So thank you to him. Cause I was thinking, I mean, okay, it's a good thing. He didn't make contact with Allison, but then what terrible timing, right? Because it looked like he was just jumping in the air. He missed missed the ball. He missed Allison. He missed everything. But his, his timing's generally good. So that's why when I went back to look, I'm like, Oh, he was like clearly pushed, which again, I mean, then I'm it's, gonna call that. it's never called, but if a guy's got a beat on the ball, he's going to get his head on it and you just push him two handed, like straight push him. I, I don't know. I, I guess I don't know what the, what's, what's on a, on a corner. I don't know what's a penalty. What's a foul. What's in anything. I mean, Lord, look, they took away the goal from uh, West Brom today on the, the passive offside. What'd you think of that one? Yeah, it, it was the right call. Um, I don't necessarily agree with the rule, but it, it was clearly um, in, in, in the rules that if you are going to stand right in front of the goalie, even if the goalie will, had no chance of making the save, you, you do have to call it. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this before. I just don't like the passive offside call. If the guy's on the other corner of the field, fine. If he's anywhere near the ball within like 20 feet of it, blow it dead. It's over. Not interested. Like the passive offside is just a pain to me. Um, like even if he wasn't blocking Allison, Allison still needs to give thought to what if the ball comes to this guy, how do I play him? So I just, I don't like the passive offside rule in general. I think they should all just be offside, but I agree. I don't think Allison would have gotten to it, but he was positioned right in front of him blocking the view. And, and to people who are like, oh, he saw it the whole way. You know what? He probably saw it all but a split second. But if you're a keeper, a split second is all you need to not get to the ball. Yeah, and 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 then also not only that, it, it now it now comes down to how you want to coach or play your tactics, right? So, do you, you know, it's like what when we defend the high line free kicks, you know, do you have faith in the officials and everything else that we we know there's a guy standing in front of our goalie, so we're just going to allow them to have the header and, and then deflected into the into the corner because it has to be called offside or are you are you, you know are, are you playing with playing with fire yeah i mean although i did think it was quite rich that allardyce went on about how that was so wrong and var screwed them and it's like have you met liverpool this year <laughs> uh yeah. nobody nobody's crying for you if you're playing against liverpool if var doesn't cost liverpool a goal for a change so um i mean that was probably the first good call we've gotten this year or maybe there was another i can't think of it but it was about time that we actually got a good call for us but yeah i mean we've had, we've had quite a few recently i i, I think our luck is actually turning i i believe that's called the law of averages you can't continually like screw the same team over and over the law of averages has to work out so we have actually gotten a few breaks more recently um but but i mean look at the end of the day you know he was blocking allison and and that's that's the rule and it was you know judge the right way that's very clearly what the rule said the other one that i know allardyce was upset about was on our first goal that it shouldn't have been a free kick it should have been a drop ball that do i agree ca- with do you care um, well no i mean i don't care right but I, I i do agree that the rule says it's a drop ball 
Um, so I, I think the referee clearly just forgot. And then again, that's why I go back to VAR. I mean, I don't understand the point of VAR if, because I know in their rules, they say they can only check the X amount of, you know, so they can check goals, they can check corners offside, whatever it is. But to me, just check blatant mistakes, right? Well, but you know what? Again, and I come back to, this is like the Firmino handball in our half. That was in our half. If that's what's going to beat you, go cry somewhere else. I'm not really interested. If, if if, If the referee misses something or messes something up, in your own half or in the in the opposition's half and they come and they score on you you had half a field to deal with it like get over it right and 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 it's it's now semantics really if anything they should probably change the rule that when that happens a free kick or a drop ball is fine right because at the end of the day the the opposing team wants to just continue playing right so that's what he did it's just that with a drop drop ball you waste time because the referee's blowing his whistle and then he's dropping it and everything so that's why allardyce was upset because we took advantage of the quick uh, restart which which to me is fine right so i think they should change the rule and then allow for a quick restart as opposed to wasting time with a drop ball so what i would say is i totally agree with allardyce i absolutely agree they should have called it and i think that west brom should have had several red cards in the game from time wasting and from uh diving like if you if you want every rule applied then let's apply every rule. And I'll give an example. On one of Liverpool's free kicks, their man ran straight back to the ball, wasn't even involved in it, picked up the ball and walked away with it. That's an automatic yellow. So if you want to call it, I'm with Sam, let's call them all. And the dives, the clear dives, okay, let's let VAR look at it. See, it's a clear dive. There was no contact. Give a yellow. Like Again, right? you get, you win some, you lose some in every game. Right, I complain that the the ref calls fourteen fouls on us to only seven for for West Brom, but at the same time he made a mistake that helped us. You win some, you lose some. That's just the game of football, and I I'm happy VAR is not getting involved in more stuff. I don't want VAR to come and tell us that the the referee should have uh, dropped the ball and not free kicked the ball or whatever. Like, ugh, I just I want less VAR. Oh yeah, I I don't want VAR at all. It's just that if you are gonna have it and you're pulling out geometry sets for offside, <laughs> then, I mean, <laughs> clear and obvious. Hello. He, he made a clear and obvious error by apparently not, you know, going by the law of this has to be a drop ball. To me, that, that's a clear mistake, even though I don't agree with the rule, but it, it's almost like, oh, yeah, a penalty throw, just pick it up and toss in the net. It's a completely different rule, right? So you have to call that. So, so and, and again, I, point of our- I agree but then you're going to get to like, then everything can be VARD. A dive should be VARD. So like, for example, when there's no contact, you go down and look at the ref, automatic yellow. Boom, VAR's taking care of it. Like, do, you, do you want that? No, I don't, I don't really want it. I don't want any VAR at all. But if you are going to have VAR, then use it for clear and obvious mistakes, not whether or not it was offside. Offside is not clear and obvious. Offside is offside. You know, it's impossible to get 100% correct. If anything, they should, be, they, should, they should be using VAR for issues like this, where the referee, you know, forgets the actual rule. Okay, but then can't you also argue that when a guy picks up a ball for no reason, hasn't been involved in the play, just runs up to a dead ball and picks it up and walks away with it, that's a clear and obvious yellow. So the yes. ref made a mistake. Yes, absolutely. But then do you really want, like, okay, I know you, you don't want VAR at all, but... Like, that's the point, right? VAR could start getting involved in everything, and we just want less VAR, so...
Well, we want ref. So again, we want better refs and less of our. How about that? Yeah, if 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 the refs were able to do their job, then we wouldn't need VAR. But yeah, I don't want VAR coming in and just policing everything, right? But they shouldn't have to, right? I'll be honest. I kind of like the retroactive yellows for diving. I think that would clean up the game. So don't call it during the game. That's fine. But after a game, you if you've been, you know, you got caught diving then you're just given a yellow and then the yellows add up and then you end up missing games for them. That's fine. Like, I oh. think that would be a better policy than having VAR interrupt even more. Um, but I do think that's one of those things that does need to be cleaned up a bit because the first half of this game was a little bit ridiculous. It was, it was clear West Brom's whole policy was hit the ground as often as possible and get every call you can. Yeah, I, I, I actually have no problem with diving because... It's too subjective to now start making calls as to whether or not somebody dived. The bottom line is, was it a foul? Yes or no? If it's a foul, call it. If it's not a foul, don't call it. I don't care what the player is doing. Well, but then every two-handed push in the box should be called. That's fine. Then do it. (laughs) But then the whole game, well, and the English game in particular is a bit more rough than the rest of the world. So, I mean... My point is, is, is that... The, you know, the, that's where VAR or the referees should be able to do a better job of knowing, is this is this person embellishing, right? So the fact that somebody's rolling on the ground crying doesn't mean that they were, you know, they had their leg broken or they were fouled. Was it a foul? Yes or no. If it's a foul, call it. If it's not, play on. It, it, it is actually that simple. Well, I in, in, the, in the ref's defense... It is hard to tell at that speed at a distance because the ref can't be everywhere. You know, we we see it. Well, but I also don't want VAR interrupting a game to give a yellow for diving. And which is why I think that the way VAR should be implemented is don't share the video with the public. Just have the officials talk into the microphone and then make a seem as if it's the referee making all the decisions on on his own, his or her own. Then, then we're getting really into uh, conspiracy theories of who's behind the mic. But uh, no, I mean, I, I hear what you said. Um, in this game in particular, I didn't, I'll be honest, I didn't like the rolling around from, from West Brom. I thought that was, I thought they took it a little far. And that's why in the second half, I don't think they got as many calls. Um, but in the first half, they definitely got a lot more calls, um, which I think, frankly helped them a lot it's it's one of those things right we we as a team like to um keep things moving and so probably the best way to uh stop us frankly is to you know slow it down um get those breaks in play uh set plays trying to score that's that's the obvious way and and so i didn't i didn't love that part but hey in the second half it came back and it got us uh it saved us a goal so you know win some lose some uh, today, I got to be honest. I thought may have been Tiago's best game of the season. Yes, I well, um, I, I still think his best game was that half against Chelsea, but <laughs> um, which was actually his first game. But yeah, no, I, I I agree completely. I mean, you you could tell that this man is not interested in playing anything other than Champions League football next season, and I just wish. You, you could see the relief on the player's face after Allison scored in the last minute. And I wish they could translate that energy into the game the way he did. 
right? Because it's all well and good showing that passion and energy and relief once your goalkeeper comes and scores for you. But where was all that energy in the in the five to ten minutes before then? You know what I mean? Because you are the better players. You should be able to carve out chance after chance after chance against a team that has nothing to play against, to play for. Yeah, I, I'll be honest. I was actually massively disappointed in both teams today. Um, West Brom, I looked today like a team that shouldn't be getting relegated. Um, and the fact that they're getting relegated makes me ask, why can't you guys play this game this way every game? Liverpool is just too talented to A, miss the chances they were missing, and B, not generate even more. To your point, I mean, by the end of the game, West Brom was tired, and we should have been able to do a lot more, and we shouldn't have needed um, Allison to save us. And and you're right. The, the smiles in there, the biggest ones in that pile were Thiago and Salah, who both yeah. clearly have... And, and again, I'm not saying they would leave Liverpool, but those two guys do not want to play anything but Champions League. Exactly. And and I would I say, honestly, well, I mean, honestly, I thought Thiago did. He played a real game, and I thought Salah actually played one of his better games today, too. Yeah, he, he yeah, I, I agree. He played more of a team game today, and he was he played smarter in his positioning and, and playing off the ball, looking for the one-twos. I, I do agree with that. Although, um, missing the breakaway, man, I can't, I can't get over Salah missing breakaways. I really can't. I don't even know what to do with it. It just it just occurred to me when when he ran with that ball, I realized I don't think he's ever I don't think I've ever seen him with a dink finish, right? Oh, like pop it over the goalie? Yeah, because that was the, the obvious thing to do. Oh yeah, because the goalie was way way out. Right, and I guess he doesn't he just doesn't have that in his repertoire, right? Which is why he scores most of his goals coming from the the right. Well, but the other thing I would say is I find like there's a number of things that I would consider basic plays that players just don't have in their repertoire. One of them is when you're one-on-one with with the goalie, you dink it over. If either the goalie or another player goes, like tries to slide tackle, doesn't get the ball, dink it over him and put your foot right in his gut. Boom, auto foul. Like simple, simple things that you should like. And I, and I remember a couple of those today. I think Mane had one and he like went around the guy and it's like no dink it over him and boom just get your foul it was on the corner of the box perfect that's a fantastic spot to get it why are you trying anything else like i i find that those basics i don't know if they're not taught anymore i don't know what it is but there's just the the savvy little plays seem to be missing yeah yeah they're not cute enough i mean tiago's cute like in the way he plays And Allison with those baby blue eyes is absolutely cute. I mean, he's he's even cuter after that goal, let me tell you. Um, but uh, like we we don't seem to have that little stuff. Although, I mean, speaking of cute plays, I actually thought Curtis Jones played quite well, and he had some cute plays on the edge of the box. Yeah, i i was I was surprised to well, I wasn't surprised because that's what Klopp does, but I was disappointed to see him come off, um, especially for Shaq. In the midfield, I mean, I, I I thought I thought it was the right game to bring Sh- uh, Shaq on, but not as a midfielder. Um, he, as soon as he came on, I, I mean, I feel for the guy. He's not a midfielder. He's not a central midfielder, and he doesn't add anything. And if anything, he disrupted a lot of our our our, our plays. And and he's well well out of rhythm. Like let's be let's be fair to Shaq. He just. <sighs> 
he's how many minutes has even played this year? Like the poor guy, he's so in and out. He can't get any rhythm. And there were times that it clearly saw. Mm -hmm. And what I would say between Shaq and Tiago, I would have thought those two guys would be just brilliant playing next to each other, but they looked like they they'd never played together before. They usually are. So a couple of games that they, they, they play together earlier in this or, or yeah, before in the season, they play quite well together. And, but um, the, I think that was more when Shaq was playing on the left, left. Oh, sorry, on the right wing, because they have played together with Byron as well, right? So they, they, they are. You know, I think they are well, uh, well familiar with each other's game. But as a central midfielder, he, he just doesn't. Yeah, he just doesn't cut it. The way we, we want our midfielders to play. Yeah, I mean, I don't. And you know, I love Shaq. I think he's fantastic. Um, I don't think he looked great today. Fabinho seemed, I, I don't, seems a bit off. yeah, still seems a bit off. I think that his, uh, his moonlighting as a defender has thrown off his timing. Um, I liked, I liked that he was aggressive in trying to take the shot. I think he took one shot from the outside or two. It was funny because the shots he took were terrible and shouldn't have taken, but then he passed up ones that he should have taken. I know. And I think I, I would honestly say, I would actually say the same for Tiago. There were times I thought Tiago should have shot that he didn't. Um, although the shot he did take was not bad, but I'd like to see him shoot more. Yeah. Cause he, 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 he's able to make space for himself. He really is. And he's got such a good sight, but like the thing is, I think that's that I find the most surprising, maybe not the most surprising, but I've noticed is like when Tiago makes passes, the commentators and everybody is like, oh, like that was a bad pass, but it's really not. Cause if you look just before the pass, the runner lets up because they think, oh, he hasn't seen me. And I remember there was a one with Firmino where Firmino was going and it seemed like Tiago passed it long, but it's because Firmino slowed up and then took off again. And it's just, it's interesting. Like it's been a full season. You'd think these guys would have realized, make your runs and commit to them. He'll find you. And it seems like they haven't really gotten that yet. Yeah, and and that's where I go back to. I think the play the players just need the season to end because I think everything is 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 out the window right now. Um, they're just taking every game, or they're playing one game at a time, and then just going for broke every single game. That you know, there's no rhythm being transferred from game to game to game. Yeah, I mean, I we're not in zombie mode like some teams that are just trying to finish out the season, but we're definitely in like just sheer panic, throw everything we can, and let's just finish this. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, hey, it's 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 working for us so far. You know, I thought I thought a couple of games ago, I thought, look, we got four games left. We need to win at least three and tie one. Um. I mean, if we win all four, it's an automatic. But if we, you know, win three and tie one, we're there. So now we only have two games left. We're we're much closer. Um, I don't know. Do you think we're making it? The next two games are who are we playing? Burnley and Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace is tough. I still think that's our toughest game. The only thing that's going to help us is having the the crowd, because not to say that they'll raise the game for the crowd, but the crowd won't accept a lot of the nonsense that, that we've been playing up till now, right? They'll be they'll be hearing the sighs and things like that anytime that they're just passing the ball around aimlessly. So, um, yeah, 
one game at a time. I think winning this game the way they did will give them a little bit of a boost against Burnley. Plus, by then the pressure will be off because Chelsea and Leicester would have played each other. So things would be clear as to knowing, oh, okay, with the win, we we can overtake one of them, hopefully. So let me ask you, okay, before I get to that, I just want to make a, a point on the Allison thing. So, I mean, I'm sure it's talked about by everyone and everything, but first of all, great positioning, great idea for him to come up superb form on the header. I mean, he's obviously been practicing and, and having fun in, in practice to, you know, do that stuff. Um, but my, th- my thought to it is this, I mean, we know Allison in the year we won the champions league, he made that one save at the end of, uh, the, the last round Robin game to get us into the, the next round, right into the knockout round. And that probably made us about 60 million pounds. So he made his money back. If we make Champions League, this is the moment that did it for us. That's worth over a hundred million. Like this guy has generated a ton of money for us. Like his his fee may have been huge, but he's generated significantly more to this point. Yeah, I I, I agree. Like it's it's funny because remember there was a time that we were all thinking. I mean, he's a great goalie, but can he really you know live up to this billing? And man, he's lived up to up on the defensive end. And today he he definitely added to the myth. Um, I guess the next one, let me ask you, is Chelsea Leicester. Who do you want to win? Who should who should we want to win? I know. I keep I keep going back and forth on that. On the one hand, I almost think that a tie is probably what we don't want. I think we want one of the teams to win. Um if Leicester win, then that that leaves Chelsea one point behind us with a game in hand. Uh, for one us. point ahead of us with so a game in hand. One point ahead of us. If Chelsea wins, then um, we can we can um, be level on points with Leicester um, if we win. So we probably want Leicester to win, I think. So I've told you my preference. I want to see... Uh a brutal match with like 12 red cards handed out so that all of those players have to miss the next match. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it guarantees another loss. I mean, they, they're going to play each other and someone's going to give up points either way. I think the nice part is knowing that Lester has to go to Tottenham, right? And Chelsea has to go to Leeds. Um, Chelsea goes I... to Aston Villa, Leicester. Oh, sorry. Chelsea goes to Aston Villa. Yeah. Against so those are not, easy victories those those will take and i don't know maybe you never know if if chelsea loses um they might start thinking their best chance for champions league is winning the champions league and they might not really show up for the aston villa game that's that's why i was saying that i i think we want leicester the win because it gives them a false sense of security going into the last home game against tottenham who themselves will be wanting to play for position in europe um, and then, yeah, Chelsea starts to check out mentally because, you know, they'll start saying, okay, why don't we just put everything into beating Man City? I mean, that being said, frankly, either team that loses, we're probably going to get goal differential on them. So if Chelsea only loses by one, we'd have, we'd be tied for goal differential, um, but we'd have 63 goals for, so we'd win in in the tiebreaker. So I mean, it's a huge game, and I honestly can't decide. I guess I'm with you. I want Leicester to win just so that Chelsea is clearly down. And then going into the last game of the season, we know just the tie will get us there, even if Chelsea wins. Um, 
Not only that, but also, um, yeah, on the goal difference thing, before today, I was thinking that goal difference wouldn't be an issue because if we win our last three games, we'll, you know, we'll score some goals. But after today, I'm thinking, I mean, it could be a 1-0, 2-1, you know, for the remaining games. Oh, so we're, we're not blowing anyone out. This team no. is not blowing anyone out. Yeah, so I, I, I'd rather, I'd rather that we know going into the last game that a win of any kind qualifies us and that that will happen if Chelsea loses. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, if we, right, if Chelsea loses big, say, we could go into the last game of the, and we win, then we could go into the last game of the season knowing even a tie gets us through. So. Yeah, but I, I think that hinders us, if anything. Right, want, we need that mental edge of wanting yeah. to win. I, I want us going into that game knowing that we have to win, you know, to have no no debate. Well, I mean, I think with the fans, they'll push us in that last game. Exactly. So, uh, first things I'm, first, we have to be Burnley, and that's you know that's that'd be tough. Um, well, I mean, we showed today we can't break down the the packed box. Yeah. So I I assume Burnley will apply the exact same formula that we saw today. Oh yeah, and I mean they have the entire team is like six seven, so that should be fun. So even Allison won't be able to uh, to get the head on those guys. My big concern is apparently Kabak is out for the rest of the season now too. So oh jeez man, um, how many Klopp, guys can you have injured in a season? Klopp might be tempted to play Fabinho to the back, which. I don't even know if that's a good or bad thing anymore because after seeing Willips, uh, Willips, actually after seeing Willips <laughs> playing together, <laughs> yeah, because that wasn't Phillips today. That was some guy named Willips, and he didn't look good. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. And Fab doesn't seem to look great in the midfield anyway. And against teams that set up like that, we almost don't necessarily need him in the midfield. But we'll see. We'll we'll see what Klopp does. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, I think it all comes back to can our forwards put away the chances that we're going to generate? And if they can, then I think we win it, not easily, but we win it pretty comfortably. If they can't, then we're going to need to look for another, uh, uh, you know, prayer from, uh, from Allison. The one thing I will say is what's very interesting is a team like West Brom, you know, they're clearly very well drilled and they know exactly what to do. But that always seems to come up short when you're posed with a situation that you haven't drilled. And I think that's what happened with Allison. He was wide open because they're interested in, I have to cover my man. And they were all covering their man and they just, nobody took the second to think I need to leave my man and take Allison. And, and I think that's where that drilling in over and over has a shortcoming. You need to come up with something new and creative, and I think they won't be able to handle it. So I guess to me, my suggestion to Klopp, because I'm sure he's listening, is come up with you know a handful of new creative things we haven't tried, little plays, little tricks, something like that, and I suspect that will help us against Burnley. So for today, who was your man of the match? Do I even have to ask? Is there a point to it? No, no point. I think we know who it is. And even before the goal, I mean, he saved quite a few goals, especially that one where I, I don't, I forget. I think it was Nat Phillips was out of possession or out of position. And then um, they had a one-on-one with Allison and he, and he saved it. So yeah, he came out early. He got himself in the way. He he played a phenomenal game. I would have said maybe him or Tiago because I thought Tiago played a sensational game too. But then, uh, you know, Allison magic happened at the end. So... 
you know, obviously it's got to go with him. It was a, a fantastic uh, goal to see. So my, my very last question for the podcast is this. Watching this was truly amazing and what a high. How do you compare your feeling and celebration on this goal with your feeling on celebrate and celebration on Alexander Arnold passing the corner quickly to uh, to Divakarigi against Barca? Which one were they the same? Was that one more? Was this one more? I say this one was more because that one we were already building up. We had already equalized. So I think it was three 0 right? Yeah. And the game was not over. Um. So even though we scored. I still knew that we had well, a good 15, 20 minutes to play still. Yeah. Um, but with this one, it was literally the end. I had lost all hope and <laughs> I had no expectations. I, I was already convincing myself that, you know what, a tie is not the end of the world. We'll probably still qualify if we win our last two games, which I think 67 will be enough, right? So I'd already convinced myself of that. And then it just, it just came literally out of nowhere. Yeah, I would agree. I, I would say on that one, it felt... After the third goal, it felt like there was a sense of inevitability to it. On this one, I was already just like done. I was like, man, my Sunday's been ruined. They did it to me again. And then it saved me. So yeah, I would I would go with this one. All of that being contingent on the fact that we win and get into Champions League or else this is all ruined. Yes, exactly. And... and um. The beauty of the Barca game was we won it and then went on to win Champions League. So the payoff was there. So in this one too, we need to do Allison the solid by using his header to get us into Champions League. And then we'll say that this was the play that got us in. Right, exactly. Just like the game against Borussia Dortmund when we came back from, I think, 3-1 to win 4-3 in, in the semis of the Europa League. It seemed like it will, it will be our destiny to to win the Europa League after coming back like that at Anfield, and then um, obviously and then qualifying for Champions League um, as winners. So when we didn't, I almost don't really remember the Dortmund game anymore. And that was going to be my point. How many people remember that Dortmund game? And the answer is probably not a lot because mm-hmm. we didn't finish it off. Right. So um, I think the special part about the Barca game is that we finished it off and won the title. This one, if we can finish it off and make Champions League, will be just one of the most iconic um, individual performances slash plays that we'll ever have seen. And it was uh, truly beautiful to watch. Now we just need to uh, go on and take care of Burnley. And, uh, and hopefully that puts us in a good position to make it into Champions League. For more stories, analysis and articles, go to the forensicop.com website.